What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yo, what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Sad Thursday, in my opinion. Maybe it's a happy Thursday for you. It's not for me. We're not talking about Ford today. Okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Give me a day. All right, all right. Yeah, that that chip shortage is bullshit, but whatever. We will figure it out. We are here. We are on the power hour. I'm not going to bloviate in this intro. I mean, let's just dive straight into it, guys. This is the Trade Idea Show. We are dropping trade ideas. We've got some Fuego trade ideas today. If you don't know, I speak two languages, English and Spanish. Fuego is fire in Spanish. So we got some Fuego trade ideas coming to you. Quick heads up of what is to come. Good friend of mine, Johnny DePochi, technical analyst. He's He's got three three picks. We're just opening right up front. Boom. No screwing around today. Three 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 setups that, that he likes right now. Uh, 12-15, Iron Edge VC is going to be joining us. 12-30, uh, CEO of Caspian Holdings, ticker KSPN. Uh, 1 p.m., CEO of Mohawk Group, MWK. It's a big one. One thirty, Ripster. Uh, and, and at one o'clock, the second half of the show, Benzinga CEO, Jason Rasnick is going to be joining us. So, so, so that's what it is guys. Yeah. Throw me that like Ford puke dump. I think it's, it should be, it's bullshit news that this chip shortage, we don't like it, but all right. I said, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We, we need a day of morning. We need to RIP that stock a little bit. Power drill in Spanish is Powerdo draw drillio. Um, so yeah, put that on Google translate, but all right, I, I, I'm, I'm bringing Gianni onto the stream with me. There we go. I'm going to get my screen shared. Gianni, Yo. what's up, man? I, I, I just, good, man. I just called it out. I said, we're just getting straight into ideas today. This is the idea show. If we don't deliver on trade ideas, if this is not the best place to get trade ideas, people, I encourage them to call me out in the chat. I say, you know, throw it out there. I'll throw it right back. Um, but that's why you're here to help me out today. You 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 said you got ten. I said give us your best three. How's okay. that? We'll do that. Before I do, you're saying you speak Spanish. Fuego in Spanish. I speak Italian. It's fuego in Italian. So hey, let's let's add up some uh, foreign language uh, learning here too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we've got some fuego fuego trade idea yos. Yeah. Right? Okay. Do you want me to share my screen? Yeah, if you have one, it's better than mine. Mine doesn't have any of the lines or 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 anything like that. Can you see my uh, my screen? Let's see. There it is. Okay, cool. Okay, so the first chart I want to take you through, this is a construction company. It's a weekly chart. The ticker symbol is FLR. This is Fluor Corporation. FLR. Ticker's going in the chat. I'm putting it in there, guys. Ticker's going in the chat. Yes, like button. This, this plays into the whole value starting to outperform uh, growth scenario. Okay, so we got a couple of chart patterns here. Depending how you slice it, we either have a rounding bottom multi-year. Look, we're pressing up against multi-year, multi-year resistance. We actually just broke above it. Um, if you, you know, consider the highs here from 2019 to be there. 
So, uh, you know, we're consolidating near multi-year highs. This is bullish. I wouldn't be surprised if this stock uh, rips up to the, uh, what would that be, $45, $40 mark. So I really like this one. Uh, you could even make this, if you want to get cute, you could turn this into a uh, little head and shoulders pattern. You know, you got the, uh, the head down here, and then you can have the, uh, the left shoulder, the right shoulder. One of the things that we like to see when identifying these patterns is the right shoulder's low to be above the left shoulder's low. And that's what we have on this stock here. So again, this plays into the value outperforming growth trend that we've seen unfolding since last summer. And uh, yeah, I think we keep ripping higher on this one, especially if inflation expectations continue to rise. So that's that's the first one that we have. All right, we got the first air horn of the day too. Boom, yeah. two minutes into the show, we've got our first trade idea of the day. All right, so so on technical strength, we like ticker FLR, Flora, Foxtrot, Lima, Romeo, that ticker is in the chat. All right, and, and, and time, time horizon, time horizon, price target. G give me, give me those one four before we go to the next ones. Let me, let me go back to it real quick. So time horizon, well, as soon as we, if we can close above 23, 25 in the weekly level, this could be a, a straight shot, you know, in the next three to six months, I think, you know, we could see an appreciation of, you know, almost a hundred percent, I think. So uh, I really like this one. Woo. All right. Yeah. All right. I think, I think we're going to see value really start to pick up uh, over growth, especially if inflation expectations continue to rise. Um, you know, that's that's the name of the game. You know, we had a deflationary decade, really two deflationary decades, you know, from 2000, 2010. Uh, stocks didn't really do much. You know, you had a couple of doubles and then, you know, 50 percent corrections. Then in the 2010s, you had the deflationary decade of commodities. So uh, I think that regime is over. I think for the 2020s, we're looking at an inflationary decade. Yep. OK. All right. You know what to say about that? What's that? Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> All right, next one. First idea next down, one. two. Let's All right. Idea number two. So this is Matador Resources, MTDR. This is an energy company. And uh, we really got a, a, a big, beautiful uh, pattern on this one. So uh, we are not up against resistance quite yet, uh, but this is an energy stock. And, you know, if you factor in how prices went negative last year, uh, down to 36, 37 bucks a barrel. We're talking about um, oil, right? Yeah, and crude oil. You know, uh, the price has gone up over a hundred bucks in not even a year. So, you know, had prices not gone negative, that that would be uh, headlines all over, all over the news, I would guess. But I think, you know, people don't really count the negative price action. Uh, but in any case, you know, we have a, uh, a multi-year rounding bottom here as well on Matador Resources. And, you know, th this might sound crazy now, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see crude oil hit, you know, 120, 130 a barrel uh, by maybe Q4 of this year or, you know, the first half of next year. So I I'm really pounding the table on these uh, inflationary uh, possibilities. And I think this stock Matador resources could really stand to benefit from such an environment. I mean, obviously, if the price of crude oil is going up, uh, you know, <laughs> the energy producers are going to... Uh, have wider profit, profit margins. So I do like, um, you know, we identified a rounding bottom. Uh, I kind of like this broadening wedge too. You can see how the stock got absolutely destroyed. And I think that was a capitulation low of the sort. So, um, you know, for this stock, uh, I think this is a $45, $50 stock, perhaps even by the end of the year. 
um, or in the first half of next year's. Let's even zoom out. When in doubt, zoom out. You know, we're not far from all-time highs here. So this is a leading stock within the energy sector. And we want to be along the strongest names within the strongest sectors. And, uh, you know, energy <laughs> uh, has been performing really well. It's one of the best performers year to date uh, that no one's really quite pounding the table or, or highlighting just yet. So we want to, you know, follow the strength. I'm very much a momentum trader, buy high and sell higher. And this, uh, this is a stock that has all the marks of a, um, you know, buy high, sell higher type trade. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> All right. So shout, shout out her scrambler in the chat. He likes this one too. And prime suspect says he's going to come on uh, and pick Henry shine next week. You better come on and pitch that stock. So, all right, th there, there's ticker number two. Give us this one one more time. I'm going to drop it in the chat. Mr. Gianni. MTDR, mandatory resource. MTDR. All right, guys, we're, we're now 10 minutes into the show, two setups. Give, give us the third one. G the give third us the third one. one. We are ready for it, baby. Come well, on. Real quick, Luke, you know, you're talking about speaking Spanish matador. That's got a, a, a Spanish connotation too, eh? Exactly. Fluent, okay, baby. Uh, all, all that I am is fluent. <laughs> let's pivot over to the biotech sector uh, because we, we like to see strength from this. You know, the NASDAQ topped out in, in February, uh, still has not made a new all-time high. So I think uh, that if we do, I do think we see new highs in the NASDAQ. I think we will see some leadership emerge from biotech. Biotech and healthcare have struggled in the last uh, couple months relative to the overall market. But this, um, what is the name of it? It's, uh, you know, I know the ticker symbols better than the names. Myria Genetics. So as evidenced by the name, a company that uh, dabbles in, uh, you know, genetic uh, research. And, uh, you know, we have another rounding bottom here too. So that's kind of the theme of this, uh, you know, uh, segment is that uh, we're coming up on multi-year resistance on so many stocks. And I think Right now, uh, we're seeing some choppiness in the market. We're seeing a lot of false breakouts. We just need some more time in consolidation before breaking out to new highs across a variety of sectors. So I still like value over growth, but there's always going to be diamonds in the rough. And I think uh, Myriad Genetics has all the marks uh, of the stock that could be a leader in the biotech sector. Uh, this rounding bottom stock is projecting prices as high as uh, the $50 mark. So I really like this one. And I think... Uh, you know, once we can clear this level of resistance, it's going to be a straight shot up to the $50 mark, which would essentially be a retest of its former all-time high. So it's not like I'm, you know, uh, making it sound like the stock hasn't been there before. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. That's basically what you're saying. So, all right, guys, I called it up front. I said, this is going to be the trade idea show. We are cutting the crap. I'm not going to blow V8 up front. We're just going to get straight into the tickers. Gianni just hammered us. He said he had 10 ideas. I said, give me your three best. There they are. Uh, recap them again. Ticker FLR, ticker MTDR, ticker MYGN. Somebody That's in the good. chat, somebody in Zinger Nation, help us out. Smash that like button for, for Gianni dropping it there. And, and Gianni, but before we have to let you go in a minute here, um, I do want to drop the link in the chat. If, if you want more ideas, uh, go, go, go follow along with Gianni. It, it, it's, it's the place to be, be there, be square. I'm on his email list. You probably should get on his email list too. I steal I your ideas that. for this show sometimes, Gianni, by the way, that's FYI, cool. <laughs> copyright infringement. That's fine. That's all good. Luke. Okay. I, li I, like, I like when you do that. All right, good. I don't give you credit. <laughs> cool. Awesome, man. All right. This was fun. We got to get in the habit of doing this like, like once a week. We yeah, just come good, on man. and boom, we're going to rapid fire some tickers. Yeah. Rapid fire some charts and, and get cruising. All right, man. Sounds good. 
All righty, sir. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Ciao. Those are the idea, guys. I said, call me out in the chat today. You better be especially vicious if we're not delivering on ideas. I don't know how we can deliver any faster than that. I mean, that's as fast as you can pitch a stock, baby. That is what I am talking about. If you are just joining the show, quick preview of, of what is to come. We're not talking about Ford today. RIP that stock. Give me a day of morning, and then and then we'll, we'll discuss it. Uh, we, we've got an awesome lineup of guests that are coming. We're about to have Iron Edge VC on. Uh, we've got two public company CEOs joining us. We've got Ripster. Rippy is, is going to be joining us at 1.30 Eastern. And Mr. Jason Rasnick, Benzinga, CEO, hopping on in the second half of the show. So that's what's going on. Market continues to drop, but that's all right. We, we keep it positive here. You know, that, that, that's, that's why I'm, I'm a little spazzy today. But, you know, I think, I think it's okay when, it, when I'm a little spazzy today. Boy, that escalated quickly. It did. And that really got out of hand fast. All right, Paul and Matt coming to us live from Iron Edge VC. What is up, guys? How are you doing on this fine Thursday? Hi, Luke. Uh, speaking for myself, I'm doing quite well. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, my name is Paul McGuire. I'm the uh, founder and managing partner of Iron Edge VC, and this is Matt Green. Hi, Luke. Thanks again for having us on. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Absolutely, I'm the and that's an awesome. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say um, I'm the uh, head of research over here, so I do uh, some of the dirty work when it comes to uh, deciding what we're getting involved to, uh, packaging, presenting information, and uh, also for our purposes here, if anyone's looking to uh, get involved or find out some more information for us, I'll be the uh, point of contact for them as well. And, and I was, see, that's much more important. I was just going to say that's an awesome tree picture that you have in the background <laughs> there. See, I had something much less interesting to say. Um, I painted it there you, okay all right there we go we'll go with that we'll go with that we'll go with that um but 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 all right guys for 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 our viewers in the audience uh give it give us the background at your edge why should we care uh what, what's the deal etc well it, it's a relatively uh new uh niche that we've found um if if, if any of your viewers remember this when facebook went public that was really what you'd call the advent of the whole pre-ipo investment uh you know, for larger groups idea. Um, when when people were, you know, they got the idea that they could get privately held shares of, of Facebook and still be hanging on to them when the company went public. So that was that was really just the genesis of this whole thing. And um, I'd say in the past couple of years, it has greatly evolved and pick up steam, uh, mostly courtesy of Palantir Technologies. There was a lot of that. Um, there were... Well, as you know, Palantir took its sweet time going public. Uh, and as a result, oh, yeah. you had a lot of people out in Silicon Valley working for Palantir who were being compensated with a lot of equity. But the problem is, if you're a young, talented programmer, and they needed to hang on to their talent at Palantir, but if you're a young, talented uh, programmer working for Palantir, you want to live anywhere near Palo Alto, the cheapest house out there is $2 million bucks. So these guys and gals weren't being paid a lot of cash. They were getting a ton of equity and suddenly you need to buy a house and, uh, you know, one that's within striking distance of your workplace. Um, they had mountains of equity so they could peel off a tiny piece of it, a, a small percentage of what they had at a, at a pretty significant discount. It would wind up in the hands of people like us 
we create these investment funds. And therefore, my, my favorite word of the week, we, we would democratize the pre-IPO investment uh, notion. And, and we'd, we'd share it with our clients who, you know, ideally, and as certainly was the case with Palantir, when it eventually does go public, uh, you've you've got a nice little return on your hands. Okay, and and, and so uh, are 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 the your your people? I don't know if you call them customers or members or or what they are, but but are your people? Are are they picking out the individual companies that they want, or 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 are they investing into the fund, or how does that work? It's it's a little bit of a well well for one thing yes they um, we don't have a fund at the moment that uh, that's like a basket or an ETF okay. or something. Yep. We are toying with that idea. People choose to do that. If they can't make up their minds uh, what they want to buy into, then then we could have a, a, a fund that holds a number of different pre-IPO companies. But at the moment, what works for us is that you come to us and you're, well, last year it was Palantir and SoFi. SoFi is uh, really not doing a lot of pre-IPO trading in that one because it's almost not a pre-IPO anymore. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll have one for Orbital Insight, one for uh, uh, Udacity, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like so give, people, give us a couple other hot ones. These are these are interesting. And again, guys, if you're just yeah. joining us, we're, we're, we're basically talking about how, how Iron Edge gives people the opportunity to, to buy shares of, of pre-IPO companies. So, so all right, you, you, you just dropped a couple names. If there are other hot, interesting names, I'd love to hear them. I don't know if I have to give the disclaimer, but Orbital and... Um, uh, Udacity are the ones in which I hold a personal position, uh, so I don't know what the what the disclosure uh, uh, level is on this. But 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 obviously I bought those because I'm really enthusiastic about them. Not that I I lack enthusiasm for other ones in our company, you know. And I have a few in mind that are going to be the next on my list. Matt is the one who can tell you a lot about the individual companies that we're doing because he is our head of research. And he's he's the guy that I go to when I have questions about individual companies. And the mustache is strong too, Matt. Well, that's that's the other half of the reason why we keep him around here. Uh, absolutely, I can't grow a mustache. I tried once. I can't grow a beard either. So maybe we'll have Try to loop up after milk. this. That always works for me. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give that a go. But 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 Matt, it, 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 any other companies that 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 you want to highlight? This this is some pretty cool stuff. Talking about about these companies before their stocks public stocks. sure thing yeah um so so the two that paul just mentioned uh they're they're two of our bigger hitters right now um orbital insight and udacity um we don't pigeonhole ourselves into one particular sector of company but we do focus a lot on technology um uh artificial intelligence machine learning um geospatial analytics things like that um digital marketing and advertising. So uh, we've got another couple of companies that we're working with as well at the moment. Uh, another one being Skykick. And okay. then uh, we, we're working with uh, Next. What, what is Skykick? Skykick, um, they, uh, they're they sort of like a, a, an AI machine learning and marketing campaign combination. Um, so cool. they help okay, uh, product it. analysis and, and they're, uh, they're an SAS. SAS. Other businesses would utilize them, their service for their product. Okay. Very cool. And then, and then, uh, who, who who can trade these? Is, is it do I have to be accredited? Can anybody do it? How how well does that work? Um, it it is required. Not our rule, but the uh, the, the SEC's rule that since we are dealing in unregistered securities, that all of our investors have to be accredited investors. Okay. 
Yep. It's the way it goes. The fun stoppers, as we like yeah. to call them. <laughs> no you know, we, 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 have, we have a lot of users, too. Who, who don't like the pattern day trader rules, you know, they, they have a smaller account They right. you know, they, they can only swing trade that sort of thing. So I get it. I understand why the rules are there. That doesn't mean that it makes it more fun. So it's, it's uh, to protect people from themselves, I suppose. I mean, you, you know, you really, uh, we, sure. we don't, um, we, we don't get involved in too many companies that, uh, have much of a risk of disappearing overnight, but, yep. The SEC doesn't know that. So as far as they know, we're, sure. we're dealing with companies that they know nothing about, whether it's Airbnb or Joe's Lemonade Stand, because it, they all fall into the same category of the SEC hasn't hasn't looked under the hood yet. So I understand the, sure. uh, the, the, the spirit behind it. But at the same time, you know, the biggest complaint has always been that you take someone who doesn't happen to have a million bucks. They don't make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year but they could be a real investing genius. How come they're left in the cold? And it really is quite unfair. So that's why yeah. they came up with this new uh, accreditation measure last August, where it says, okay, if you have your series seven, your series 65, if you're the manager of a pre IPO investment fund, you can be accredited by that, uh, by that measure as well. So that's, it's, it's a movement in the right direction. Yeah. We're not, I we're get not it, really right? to help like, people get themselves into trouble anyway. So. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you guys aren't, aren't these people, but there could very well be hucksters out there who want to go and, you know, prey on people who, who aren't sophisticated and say, Hey, this is the next, we've all seen the movies. Okay. We all saw Wolf. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. That, that's unfortunately that risk exists out there. Yeah. Okay, cool guys. Um, and then where, where, where do folks check it out? It's definitely interesting. I want to go sign up and check it out. Is it, is it what does the sign up process look like? I guess that's another question I have. Well, let's let's start a relationship by uh, and again, my go to guy for the information is it learn more? Yes. So um, so if anyone in, in your audience sends an email to an address, learn more at ironedgevc.com. Oh, great. I see it up there. That's perfect. Uh, and, and that's that's you know, that's how you, you sort of get into our universe. And we find out if you're accredited, you tell us what you're interested in, or if you don't know what you're interested in, um, you know, we, we can send you these little informational packages on, um, on, on basically what we have on our, our store shelves right now, because uh, we put a lot of time and effort into finding the right things. Um, and I don't want to get too off track. So that, that's really the short answer for you there, Luke, is learn more at ironedgevc.com and, and that will we'll respond to that very quickly. Matt will respond to it very quickly. Um, But what we do get a lot of is people calling with their own uh, agenda, their own list of of companies they want to buy. And I'm not going to name names in this case, unless you really want me to, but some of them are just so, actually I'm going to name names. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Why not? So some of them get so inflated because people are chasing them. It's like, I want this hot name. I want that hot name. Um, you, we had people uh, coming to us, getting a look at Coinbase a few weeks ago when it was still pre-IPO. Um, but it was, when we checked the market for it, it was uh, you know, $500, $550 a share. And 
and I'm looking at this and the valuation of Coinbase, and I understand the appeal of crypto, and I'm a long-term believer in cryptocurrencies, but but I'm like, no, this valuation, we're, I know we're in a world of ridiculous valuations, but this is at the top of the world, ridiculous value, valuations. So I said, I'd rather not accommodate you with these. Come and, and buy this. We have Orbital Insight at a $250, $300 million valuation with an M. Um, and, 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 and this company's going places. So fortunately, we're able to persuade people. And so now we've, I mean, this thing's headed for a, a 50% um, haircut for, for some of those people who are buying yeah, Coinbase right sure. before it went public. I mean, it's pretty much there. I mean, let's see the stock last trade, 292 yeah. and a half. So, all right. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't take any joy in that, but, but I do take pride in uh you know how seriously we take this stuff and, and we want to get people into the right things because we want them to be coming back it's it's very very simple absolutely well awesome guys it's an interesting service it's some interesting insight i appreciate you coming on hanging out on the power hour email addresses up there learn more at iron edge vc paul matt appreciate it appreciate the mustache appreciate the picture and we'll have to, to do this again soon Luke, thank you again for having us here. And uh, anytime, I look forward to the next opportunity if you'll have us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, pe peace out, guys. All right, Zinger Nation, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, pr producer AB. Oh my gosh, looking good. What's good, hot stocks? All right, producer AB, I have one thing to say to you. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's it. All right, all right, producer AB. Um, as I previewed you, you're looking spiffy today. Uh, I, I do have a couple calls over the next few hours that I can't get out of. Sorry. So I'm gonna leave you in good hands. I'm gonna leave you with, with, with producer AB. Are you going to come back? Are you going to come back to Ripster at, uh, at 1230? Uh, I, I, at one thirty. Sorry. Nope. All you producer AB. All right. Take the show away. Peace out, guys. Happy trading. Link to my Twitter is in the chat. Throw me a follow. Say hi. Uh, and and let, let, let's keep keep the ideas going, Producer AB. Yes, sir. That's what we're all about, trade ideas. All right. We got a, we got a guest coming up, special CEO, Caspian Holdings. We're going to go ahead and bring them on. Where, oh, there we are. How are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So where, where are you, where are you uh, calling in from right now? We are in uh, Spokane, Washington. Okay. Out, out on the West Coast. Huh? So That's it's still, right. early, still early for you out there. That's right. It's 930 in the morning. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so what, um, just, just for our audience that may not be familiar with Caspian, what, uh, what exactly does Caspian do? Yeah, sure. I mean, at Caspian, our mission is to optimize and grow brands on today's leading online marketplaces, such as Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Target, among others. And we provide a complete platform of software and tech-enabled services to do so. Pretty much, we work with various brands in three different business models. Our core business model is a retail model, where we will take an inventory position with a brand and then sell it on various marketplaces, such as Amazon, Walmart, etc., that's under Caspian. 
but we've got multiple extensions to that core business model. We've got an agency model where we will just serve as an extension of your e-commerce team as a brand and don't take an inventory position, but provide you with all the services and the software that you need to grow your brand online. And then we also have a software model, software as a service, where for brands who want to take their operations in-house, then we provide them with a complete suite of software to be able to do so. We also recently announced a fourth pillar to our strategy, which is brand acquisitions, where we are going to also acquire brands and you know, hopefully bring them under our fold and control the entire value chain. So that's what we do at a high level, just help brands build their businesses online. Got it. So, so do you guys, are most of your clients like big name companies that are trying to sell their products on Amazon or are they smaller uh, companies trying to grow? So we've got a range of brands. We typically divide our customer base into three. We've got our strategic brands, large partners. We call them partners, our customers. Then we've got a number of different middle tier brands. And then we've got a number of different tail end brands. Each of them are doing different you know, volume on different platforms. And our goal is to just get them to that next level. The tail end brand, we want to bring them to that mid-tier. Mid-tiers, we want to bring them to strategic. And to our strategic brands, we want to take them to that next level. So it's, it's all around the place. We've got a portfolio of almost a thousand brands. Got it. But so, and you're not doing the actual like online marketplace for these companies. You're just helping them on the other online marketplaces such as Amazon and, and stuff. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Our core focus is a one-stop shop for everything marketplace growth. So we're helping them with other marketplaces such as Amazon, Walmart, Target, et cetera. Got it. Beautiful. Um, so has there been recent any recent news about, about Caspian that you'd like to, to discuss with our audience or talk about? Yeah. I mean, the company is, is growing. You know, certainly the last year has been instrumental for us from a strategic perspective, we were initially just a third-party retailer on Amazon. Our core model was really our retail model. And we have pivoted to multiple businesses to help brands you know, grow their businesses online. But our big news is really we raised you know, $13.5 million from, from the public markets recently. And our goal is to continue to invest that capital into various growth initiatives, add fuel to the fire, want to continue to expand our organic strategy, want to continue to expand through inorganic growth, you know, like, like I mentioned, by brands. And, and then continue to become more omni-channel, which we really think is the future of e-commerce. What, is that, what does that look like in practice, the, the being more omnipresent, like the future of e-commerce, as you say? Yeah, I mean, to, to explain to you what our view is of the future is we want to go back to the basics of what a brand is. And a brand really is an experience that you know, your customers have with you. And that experience in the future, or even today, is going to happen across multiple different channels. Your customers are going to be on TikTok. They're going to be on Amazon. They're going to be on your own website. They're going to experience you in-store, potentially, through an event. And the future of brands is, you know, how do you meet your customers where they are in that journey is what we truly believe. And so we want to invest in, in that future and help brands build their presence across various, various points where their customers are going to meet them. Today, our focus is on multiple marketplaces. So from Amazon only, we're now moving into Walmart, Target, eBay, multiple marketplaces. And over time, we will move into more true omni-channel, which includes your own website, potentially even retail. And all this controlled under the backbone of, a, of data, insights, predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, like all that is going to really control this omni-channel experience. That's what we believe the future of e-commerce is. Got it. Well, that sounds really exciting. Um, I'm curious, is there like a certain type of product or company that you guys kind of specialize in, in, and do more of, or is it just all over the place? So we are pretty much category agnostic. We're not, we're not specific to one particular category, but 
over time, we have developed expertise in certain categories. So pets, sports, toys, baby, health, arts and crafts. They're some of the categories that we support. And we've just organically developed some expertise in that. But by and large, we're pretty agnostic. Our platform supports any category out there. So when you say you have a kind of expertise then and say, um, what was one of the things you said, babies? Baby, yeah. So baby care, so, so the product. So then if, if you get another company that comes to you and says, hey, we want to sell, say it's Johnson & Johnson, and they want to sell their baby products through you, or they want to help hire you to help them sell more of their products. And then you can turn around and say, well, we've already done this with this product for, for this other company. This is what worked. Or how does that, how does that work? How does that look like? Exactly. So our, our pitch to brands would be exactly what you mentioned is, you know, look, we've got experience in this particular category. Here are our results. If you've seen, here's our platform. Here's how we would grow your brand. Here's where you can optimize your brand. We'll give some recommendations and really try to fit them into one of the different models that I mentioned. You know, that could be just retail where we will take an inventory position, or maybe it's just a service that we provide them. So we'll figure out with that brand in a very tailored like approach on what's the best model to work with them on. Got it. So it's not really like a one size fits all package with you guys. You'll, you'll do tailored um, services for different companies. That's right. That's why we, we pride ourselves on that particular model. And that's our big competitive differentiation. Yes, we've got the platform. We've got all the software. We've got tech-enabled services. It's all powered by AI automation insights. But our value proposition to brands is that one size doesn't fit all. So how do we create a solution that works for you, your goals, that works for us and our goals? And we'll figure out what that partnership model looks like. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm trying to... Um... Figure. So do you know, have, have you heard anything about, or do you know what dropshipping is? Correct. Yeah. We also support dropship as part of our model. For individuals or for, or for, or for companies? For companies. I mean, for distributors, other suppliers out there. So, you know, our, our, we, our platform supports being able to dropship from a supplier's facility directly to the consumer as well. Okay. So can you, can you explain real quick to our audience? Some might, may not know what dropshipping is. Yeah, the big, the big difference between dropship and, and any other fulfillment methodology is that, that when an order comes in to a particular supplier or to us, we pass that order on to the supplier. We don't really ship the product out to the customer. The supplier or that particular distributor will go ahead and do so. That's the difference between, between dropship and us managing the inventory and supplying. It's just who is doing the fulfillment, whether you're doing the fulfillment or is the supplier doing the fulfillment. And in our case, we support both models. We have our own warehouse. We work with Amazon's warehouses. We work with various other third-party logistics providers to fulfill, but we also work directly with the suppliers who can fulfill directly to the consumer. Got it. Um, yeah, so I, I just know I've been seeing more and more stuff online, like among kind of younger people talking about drop shipping, um, saying you know, oh, you can make this much money drop shipping. You just have to buy X product from, from China or from wherever, and then you get it and you can sell it off Amazon and make, you know, so much money. I don't know if it's as easy as they say, but I know it's really popular that people are posting videos of that on TikTok and, and Instagram and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that out there. I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of small fragmented players in the market, you know, which, with the whole COVID situation that happened last year, we saw an increase in demand on e-commerce as a whole that caused more sellers to come online. So it's a very fragmented market right now. You've got a lot of small players. You've got a lot of the large players like ourselves. 
And so, you know, that has increased competition. So, you know, it might not be as easy as some of these folks say that it's easy to just drop ship and make some money. There's a lot of competition. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to use data. You've got to be able to use insights. You've got to manage your advertisement spend appropriately. So I'm not, I'm not recommending whether you should go or not into a dropship model, but just, you know, go in knowing the conditions of the market today. No, I, I think it's just like fascinating to, to kind of not even research, but just watch these people talk about it. Cause it's like, I didn't know what it was a year ago. And now I see, um, you know, I see so many people doing it. Uh, Jim in the comments is saying he was doing drop shipping 15 years ago with eBay. See, if you would have gotten started drop shipping 15 years ago and you know what you're doing, that's probably, you probably make a pretty good business. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a different game now, you know, and like I said, you know, the, these are great opportunities to maybe arbitrage quickly, but are they a long-term business is really the question that you've got to ask. And, you know, are you truly building a brand online across these different business models that I talked about? That's the question that one should really be asking. Right. And um, so I understand, do you guys just, y'all re- just recently reported some, uh, what, did you report all earnings or just some strong uh, year-to-end results? Yeah, we, we reported our earnings for fiscal year 20, which was you know, pretty strong. And we will, our 10K will come out on Friday, which is you know, tomorrow. So our official 10K will be out as well. But yeah, results are pretty strong. You know, revenues have been growing the last past year. We are EBITDA profitable as a, as a company as well. And we have paved the path for some strong growth. We think we're well positioned to take advantage of some of the growth available in e-commerce as the penetration of e-commerce continues to increase in retail as a whole. And we are well positioned to take advantage of that. And we continue to invest in what that future looks like. Got it. Thank you. And and what about um, as far as like making new partnerships? Um, is there anything on that front? Correct. Yeah. So that's a good question because we have a one-stop shop platform of software and tech-enabled services, like I mentioned, that includes advertisement, supply chain, includes you know brand control. But then there are also a number of different ancillary services that complete our platform for us. And some of that readers don't do in-house. So we are partnering with various providers out there. For example, we have our own warehouse, but we don't have a full, full-fledged fulfillment capability. So we work with various third-party logistics providers like you know Deliver and MyFBA Prep. We also work with other providers from a brand control standpoint. You know, how can someone find some of these unauthorized sellers who are probably trying to steal our buy box on Amazon? And so we work with various other partners who have better expertise to complete our one-stop shop platform. So we provide a bunch of the core services and then we partner with others as well. And that will continue to increase as part of our value proposition. I see a good question in the chat asking, um, can Kunal dive a bit deeper into the model and how the business generates cash flow is the revenue mainly fee driven or is there um, you know other ways of driving that revenue besides the fees yeah good question so let me talk about the, the the three business models like i mentioned our core business model is retail in the case of the retail model we just we act as a wholesaler so we we buy inventory at a certain cost and then we sell it on these different marketplaces for a certain price and we keep the margin. So that's the core business model. It's very similar to any other wholesale retailer that you'd, that you'd imagine, you know, think about Nordstrom or one of these other players. Or even similar to Amazon's 1P retail business, their first party retail business, where they'll buy inventory and they'll sell it on the platform. 
So that's one model. And then on the subscription side, which is really that agency model and the software model, we combine both those businesses into what we call subscriptions. And in that case, the way the business works is we charge a monthly retainer to all our brands. So we charge them a monthly retainer, and then we charge them a small commission for the kind of volume that we drive. So that's more of a very typical software as a service model where we're charging a retainer and then a, a, a transaction fee, a commission on top of that. So that's how the two models really work. And they're, they're separate from the biz, a business model standpoint. Now I'll add one more caveat, which you'll see in the earnings as well is on the subscription side, our goal is to drive what we call gross merchandise value, which is GMV. So we continue to drive GMV because that's how we can show that we're adding value to various brands. And then we capture a small portion of that GMV in revenue. So that's the way to think about it is retail is we're making money on margin. GMV, we capture a small portion of that revenue through transactions as well as through retail. Yeah. And then I, so I, I was curious too, and I saw another question that comments about it. So I had to, I have to ask about it. So obviously Shopify is like the biggest player in the kind of e-commerce um, e-commerce world. And I know what you guys do is slightly different, but how do, uh, how do you guys differentiate yourselves from Shopify? Yeah, it's a good question. So Shopify is really focused on, you know, the small business is focused on the business who's really focusing on direct to consumer, they're trying to help brands create their own portals, their own stores out there and help them sell directly to their consumer and create all the different services and software that's required around that particular model. We're on the flip side. What we are saying is, look, we are going to be focused on marketplaces first. That's our core model. We want to, we are in parallel to what Shopify is doing. We are building the Shopify for marketplace growth. So Walmart, Amazon, eBay, Target, Kroger, what are all these marketplaces that are out there? That space is also increasing. So along with your Shopify presence, along with everything that we do, you can complete your entire online picture. So we really sit at the side of Shopify and that's the way we think about the world as opposed to a competition between them. Yeah, so you, you guys are basically filling two different needs, not necessarily both taking up the same customer base, correct? Exactly, exactly. For a brand, they can certainly work with Shopify and they can continue to have their own store through Shopify. They can fulfill maybe through us or through themselves. But then how do you expand to beyond the Shopify distribution channels that includes you know, Walmart, eBay, all these different marketplaces? And that's where we come in. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't covered yet. Do you... Um, oh, I, I have a note about subscriptions recurring business grew 200% and is quickly becoming a major contributor. Can you speak on that real quick? Just the subscriptions part of the business? That's right. Yeah, that business started about a year and a half or so ago. So it's a new business, like I mentioned, it's an extension to our, to our core model. And we started with about, you know, 30 or so partners in our first year, that's grown, you know, more than 200%. It's second year, we continue to drive more GMV through that, through that business. That and that growth rate isn't really stopping over the next year as well. So this year, we will report, you know, you know, that the similar, similar numbers in terms of growth. And so, you know, that business continues to grow pretty strongly. We continue to drive more GMV through that business. It's not that our retail business is ever going to go away. It's just an additional service that we do provide to our brands through the subscriptions business. And it's going really fast right now. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it sounds very fascinating, the whole, the whole business model. Um, my only other question would be, I guess, if e-commerce slows down with the, with, 
the COVID recovery and people are more spending money in, in real shops and e-commerce is slowing down. How do you, how do you combat that? How do you keep your same revenue and keep your same growth? Yeah, see, that's a, that's a good question. And that's why, you know, our mission is around, you know, optimizing and growing brands on today's leading online marketplaces. And tomorrow, if that moves into more retail, we'll have a presence there. If the, if, if e-commerce and marketplaces starts shifting some of that volume onto another new upcoming marketplace, we'll have our presence there. I mean, our goal is really to serve brands. We take a customer first approach. And as we notice areas in the business that continue to, to move in a certain direction, we'll have our presence there. And you know, that comes down to also to, you know, to a social process, right? It's, it's how do you create an organization that's, that it's, that's agile, that's able to pivot quickly, launch new business models. And we've created that as part of our culture in the company as well. Got it. Yeah, that's, um, that'll be interesting to watch kind of how, how companies that are built for on more technology, e-commerce things, how they react when COVID uh, or when, as this recovery happens. So it's, it's good to hear that you guys have a plan. Absolutely, right? We've got, we've got to always be diversified in our approach. And we, I say that a lot in, in just, you know, how, how should even brands listening here today should, should be thinking about, thinking about their strategy going forward. It's like take a diversified approach towards your strategy. Work with multiple distribution channels, include Amazon, Walmart, all these different marketplaces, your own store, potentially retail. All this is connected through a, through a technology platform and can be able to manage inventory across these different channels. But then also think about diversification on the supply chain side. You know, what are you managing your own fulfillment? Do you have third-party logistics providers? Are you working with Amazon's warehouses, Walmart's warehouses? Try to think about a diversified strategy so you can shift and pivot as easily as possible as the world evolves with you. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, I always uh, like to admire, you know, a company when a company can be very versatile and resilient. So, you know, in case they have to not necessarily pivot their whole business model, but just be willing to, to do things differently, that they don't get so ingrained in, in, in one certain way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, every company should be thinking about it, irrespective of whether they're on e-commerce or any, or, any, or, or any other field. You should really start creating a very agile-like environment within your company, very entrepreneurial, able to adapt very quickly. And that's going to, you know, as the, as the world around you adapts, you know, you should be able to adapt with them. Yeah. And I mean, I think obviously that goes for more, you know, more things than just companies for people too. you know, to be, to be versatile, to be resilient. Um, and on that note, I mean, do you want to just stepping back from, from Caspian real quick, what type of um, background, like, did you go to school for, for business? Is that, you know, what's, what's your background like? Yeah. So I, you know, I originally started off as a software engineer and I was at Microsoft for a period of time, decided to, you know, make a change, go to business school, went to the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business to get my MBA, was the director of product at Groupon in, in Chicago for a bit, came back to the Seattle area, Washington area, was a chief operating officer for a venture-backed startup, and then did two GM roles, general manager roles at Amazon and at Microsoft before I got the job at, at Caspian. So, a lot of retail, technology, marketplace experience in my background and uh, throw, throw an MBA into that as well. Yeah, kind of all, it's all like integrated together, the software engineer, the business background, then you go, you're working for Amazon and Groupon, obviously technology companies, but ones that are involved in commerce in, in the marketplace. The, the future of brands are, is, is tech. I mean, that's my firm belief. I mean, there's a reason why the Nike CEO is a, a technology guy. 
I mean, the future of omni-channel, the future of brands, they all have to be run through an algorithmic, you know, methodology. And if, if brands aren't thinking about, about that as the future, how do you control your entire supply chain, your entire value chain through and using technology as the backbone? I mean, you're going to miss out on a big opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just incredible, you know, how much revenue, like I think I saw that the, um, I want to get it right. Let me check real quick that the, there's a more than a billion dollars in lifetime net revenue through the company's combined e-commerce marketplaces. Um, and yet the market cap for the, for the company right now for Caspian is only like 50 million. So it's interesting to see, to see um, that disparity. I mean, I'd imagine this market cap keep, keeps growing. That's right. Yeah. We've certainly made significant you know, improvements over the last year in terms of the market cap. And we have a lot of upside left, you know, uh, in, in the company and, I can't be more excited about where the future of, of the company is. Well, it sounds like they're, it sounds like the company's in good hands and they've got a good CEO. I mean, you've, you've got some good experience there between uh, Amazon, Microsoft. Those are some big, some big names. Well, thank you. I, I, I hope it'll add value to the company. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there, is there any advice, you know, we have a lot of younger people, myself included, like watching the show and stuff. Is there any advice you want to offer to, to people that may be watching? Yeah. I mean, this is more, you know, sort of personal advice, I, I, I guess, you know, I'm, people always ask me, you know, why did you leave your, your, your comfortable job in Microsoft and Amazon and all these places and go join a smaller company? And I keep telling people is that the reason I did that was, you know, I, 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 I had a goal, I had a dream. And, you know, and I'm, I'm from India, originally an immigrant into, into the country, into the US. And, you know, this country truly is the land of opportunity and it's given me various opportunities. And so all I can say to young people watching the show is that if you have a dream, go pursue it. And I'm sure it's waiting out there for you. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And I'll definitely keep that in mind. Um, I got actually, I got one more final question. So you spent some time in Chicago, you That's said, right? right? That's right. How, how do you like Chicago? I love it. It's a fantastic city. Just love my experience there. I mean, it's, it's just this, the culture of the city. I mean, there's, there's obviously the big city life that you have in downtown, but then there's also the suburbs if you want more of that suburban feel. So it's just a fantastic city. And it's, I was pleasantly surprised when I, when I went there for the first time that it's such a clean, such a vibrant downtown. And I, I certainly enjoyed my time there. Yeah, I'm just a few hours south in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So I've got a bunch of friends and stuff up in Chicago. So I, I go out for weekends and stuff frequently. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I got to I gotta go back there, hopefully soon. All right, well, let me know when you do. I'll meet you up there. I'll drive I up will. a couple hours from, from, from St. Louis. Sounds fantastic. All right, uh, Kunal, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And for everyone that might just be tuning in, um, Kunal is the CEO of Caspian Holdings. The ticker is KSPN. Um, so, yeah, go, go check them out. They're a leader in, in the e-commerce in that, in that sphere. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. That was uh, Caspian Holdings. It's a good... I like I liked Kunal. Seems like he's, he's a good uh, good CEO. Got a good head on his shoulders. I guess you got it to become a CEO. I've got some more friends joining me. Rohan, Zunaid. What's going on? How we doing? I like it. I like the theme of diversity you're bringing into the channel. 
you just went back to back to back. I just want you to know that. I know. I mean, hey, you can say it. I can't. As soon but... as as soon as you said you want to hop on, I was like, yeah, cool. And I log in and I see what's up, and I'm like, there's no way he just brought me on for this. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Well, I was thinking about adding you right when he said he said I'm originally from. I'm from India. Like, yeah. <laughs> but Bro, I, I was like, I bet he won't. I bet he won't. Yeah, I, just, I saw you kind of laughing down there. <laughs> Getting ready for it. I had my mouse over it, like, oh, ready to do man. it. I would have died if you just brought me in. You said, oh, like, do you guys know each other? I would have been like, get out. Just get out the street ASAP. <laughs> I'd probably be out of a job, too. Sorry. Sorry. Speaking of which, I like that you shaved. Nice. I saw you got real uh, real ready for the interview. Yeah, you know, I didn't... Uh, Looking fresh. Ha- only had a little bit of time to get, get all prepped and whatnot, but, you know... CEO's coming on, got to throw on the sport coat, the button down, the fresh shave. The Here's the question, though, and I always want to ask some people this. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I got to ask you this. Are you wearing shorts? Are you wearing, like, like slacks? Are you wearing actual suit pants? What you got? Oh, my God. I've got – I'm not even wearing shorts. I'm just in my boxers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that might, that might get you fired. Oh, that's no, a good interview. I like it. I appreciate it. I like yeah. that question though, because yeah, I would be like, "Why are you leaving Microsoft?" That's that's a nice guaranteed paycheck coming in. I mean, yeah, especially if you're high enough up that you get uh, you get some equity or some like shares yeah, yeah, as part of your stocks. compensation. Yeah. For um, sure. I see you got Ripster coming out at one thirty. I heard. <laughs> yeah, that fits the theme of the episode. <laughs> I just, you know, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> You got to come back on for that one. Too. I feel I feel like Rohan puts this together is what he does. <laughs> you, you got me. That was the plan all along. You got That's me. the filter on Finswit. It's like who knows about stocks, who knows what's going on, and who is brown. I love it. Also, what's up, Zane? This is like the first time I've actually met you. So. It is. What's up, man? Not much. Not much. Um, uh, I got I got my my twin looking over my computer screen. He's like, oh, Zane's on. <laughs> Tell Aaron to hop on too. Oh, there's Aaron. Triplets. <laughs> we just, we just need. Anyway, to... all you guys have to come back on when Ripster comes on. <laughs> oh my god. Just let us. You know what? Tell Luke and Jason to take the day off. Yeah. And just have three of us take on the show for Power Hour. Is what it needs to be. I bet we, I bet we we'll get some new, good new international growth. Hundred percent. I don't know what time it is in India right now, but like, yeah, they'll, they'll stay up and watch too. Um. Yeah. Well, wait, wait. Honestly, can I ask you, Zunaid? I don't know how much you keep what? up with like news and stuff over, about India, but I've been seeing obviously like like COVID's been kind of getting yeah. bad there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been yeah. pretty tough. So, I mean, I have a few family members there. Uh, thankfully, all of them are spread out across the nation and in Canada. Um, but yeah, it's definitely brutal. Um, and it's it's. I'm surprised it actually took this long to get this bad. Just given the limited resources that India has, especially in a lot of villages and things like that, and especially how long COVID has been out. But I guess that's the compounding effort. We talk about it in stocks to benefit our wealth, but I guess in this case, it's compounded to uh, the negative side um, back home. So definitely tough, definitely tough to see. Yeah, I mean, I just know from, at least from like the market point, the market standpoint, I've been seeing stuff about in like the oil industry that they're worried about the demand over there. Because if, if, everyone's locked down then obviously that's a big yeah. market to not be uh selling selling oil to yeah luke actually had a play that he was thinking about if it went further i don't know what the ticker was i think it started with like a y or something 
Mm. I'm not sure. We'd have to ask him. I think I was, sure. I think I was getting my fresh shave in when he was doing that. <laughs> no, no, no. He he spoke about this maybe a couple of days ago. Oh. Um, he was he was on with Jason and he talked about here's the ticker I'm looking at. If it goes further down, I'm gonna go ahead and buy the dip. But um, you got Ripster on. I see we got a couple of CEOs coming on too, so that'll be nice. Yeah, we got we're we're getting ready to bring uh, Mohawk on Mohawk Holding, which I believe they they just had some breaking news, so we'll be able to talk to them about the breaking news, um, and, and see what's going on there. Is that MWK? Yeah, that's MWK. Nice. Yeah, let me get that pulled up right here. <clears throat> yeah, I see it. Yeah, that's what it was. It was wait. So is it V? Is it YTRA or is it YRT? I see two different well, things. <laughs> I think that's. I, I think that's. Don't don't ruin the surprise. I think that's part of the. Uh, you know the news we're we're talking about. Um, well, that's about the ticker that I'm seeing the chat. The Indian the ticker. thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't uh... Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it's that Luke's play. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you almost ruined the surprise, telling me not to ruin the surprise. I, know, I, I don't even know about the surprise. I was on a different, different. <laughs> well, and also, I only said it because I think Luke tweeted out that he was coming on or whatever. That's the only reason I even brought it up. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I promise I didn't ruin anything. Can't, yeah, can't no. fire me. Can't fire me. Not at all. Um. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. Let's get to uh, let's get to CEO of Mohawk. Or formerly Mohawk, who knows? We'll see. And uh, Zunaid and Rohan, if you guys you guys want to hop back on in about fifteen minutes, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text. All right, sounds I'll good. See you later, bud. All right. How we doing, Yaniv? Am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Excited to be here. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from New York. Uh, you know, been uh, been here through the entire pandemic and uh, very productive working from home. So, uh, yeah, exciting, uh, exciting times. Beautiful, beautiful. So we had breaking news. <laughs> Do you want to share with us? Yeah, yeah. It's a great, uh, very special day for us. Uh, you know, today, uh, we're announcing that we're rebranding uh, Moa Group Holdings into Aterian Inc. Uh, really uh, super excited about uh, what the team has done in terms of the branding and marketing and storytelling. And our website uh, should be up uh, any minute now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, great, great job from our team of positioning us for the future of what we've built. And yeah, excited to tell everyone about, about uh, our company and uh, where we're going from here. Got it. So can you just give us some background on, um, you know, Aterian or Mohawk and wh how you guys started, what, what the business model is? Sure, sure. Yeah. So what is now called Aterian, uh, and again, was formerly called Mohawk for the last seven years, um, is a technology-enabled consumer product platform. Uh, back uh, seven years ago, we realized that e-commerce was going to continue to uh, be the fastest moving part of retail and continue to absorb more of the retail uh, market share. And we realized that as technology companies like Amazon and Alibaba were reinventing the retail store, there was no one out there reinventing the consumer product company that's going to build products specifically for online. And we really believe that the traditional consumer companies are just operationally, culturally, technologically, just not uh, well designed for e-commerce. And so we basically wanted to build, again, the future of consumer products. And our company is a very unique play that is a hybrid between technology and consumer products. It's very important for the audience to understand that we make money 
selling consumer products across a portfolio of today 12 brands that we own. Uh, we sell those products across channels like Amazon and Walmart and Shopify. But what's unique about our model is we use technology to identify in vast amount of data, where is it that consumers are looking for the next thing? Where is it that they're not happy with the products that are currently on the shelf? And how can we build a better product uh, that meets their demand, right? So very consumer-centric, very data-driven in identifying demand. And then behind that, we have an agile supply chain that can turn the data into product within six to eight months. So we're more accurate and faster than traditional consumer companies. And then when we are actually in market, we use our technology to automate various aspects of the marketing, the customer service, the supply chain, uh, really giving us an edge over traditional consumer companies. So again, you know, think of us as the Amazon of consumer products. We're a technology company using technology through the supply chain to bring consumer products to market across brands that we own to satisfy customer demand. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. It's actually kind of similar, not exactly similar, but our, our previous company we had on, there were also kind of in the e-commerce space. Um, so, so what initially made you guys want to rebrand? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the name Mog, uh, <clears throat> you know, was really... Um, back when we started the company, we thought it was a cool name that, uh, you know, has kind of like the symbolism of like, always be disruptive. You can't really be boring with a name like that. You're going to have to kind of own to it. Uh, well, obviously, you know, this was uh, seven years ago before we knew we would obviously be public. And <clears throat> one very big parameter is there's a lot of confusion. There's another mock out there. Uh, it's uh, a, a company that does uh, carpets and flooring, and there's not one week where I'm not getting emails uh, asking me about, uh, you know, carpets and flooring uh, quotes, and and not to mention multiple times where I've been in situations like this, where I speak to an, uh, a financial audience, and sometimes the medium on the other side confuses with the other companies. The confusion was just uh, really a lot to handle, and, and we kind of had it in our mind a long time to uh, to, to, to think about how to, like, put, that, put us a little bit farther away from, from them. But also beyond that, I think that we matured as a company, we're at a place right now where we're scaling uh, very rapidly. And, and then, you know, I think we have uh, uh, potentially, if we execute well, a really incredible future. We could be one of the most exciting consumer companies out there, I think, in the next few years if we execute well. And I think that for us, it was a good time to think about a name that uh, somehow <clears throat> touches on a few important aspects. One, you know, Ethereum is basically referring to the Ethereum industry, which is one of the first human industries that emerged back in the Paleolithic era. Uh, in which humans kind of started carving tools that would allow them to become more efficient. And in a similar way, we think of technology as, you know, a critical aspect of the next evolution of consumer products. And, you know, again, very similarly to how the Ethereum industry, you know, create ripple effects in terms of innovation that are somewhat, you know, created all the things that we have today, where it's a reminder for us that technology can really change uh, entire industries and, and change the way we do things to be more efficient. And so that's, you know, a big kind of like a signal to people out there that we're always going to be disruptive, we're always going to be innovative. It's also this idea that it's a very, you know, old term, right? It comes back to the edge, the, the dawn of humankind. And it's always reminding us that it's always the beginning and we're just getting started. We're not, you know, we're still going to continue to disrupt and innovate and create ripple effects in the industry. And our time is now to do that. So uh, again, very excited about this, uh, this new chapter for us. Yeah, no, I think it's beautiful. That's a great reason to uh, kind of want to change names. Someone in the comments was saying they're, they're skeptical of rebrandings usually, but this one they, they think is good. So, 
Yeah, you know, anyone anyone who's followed us knows that there's a lot of confusion also with the other companies. So it was really a good time to do it. And I think also, you know, our storytelling on the website and the branding, I think, is on another level. I'm looking forward to catch up with people who've been following us and, and our existing shareholders uh, to get their opinion. But I'm very proud of the work we've done. Yeah. Um, and then, so I know you mentioned that, you know, people were going crazy over the, the carpets and whatnot. So, so what products in particular, um, you know, outside of the carpets are you guys sp specialize in? We don't do carpets. That's the whole point. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, yeah, the, 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 you know, the way we think of it is really interesting, right? We, are, we take a very mathematical approach to it. Think of it this way, right? Every day, consumers are out there searching for products, searching for things they need. And by doing that, they're basically, you know, uh, signaling to, you know, the, 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 the public uh, domains, right, the, the, the retailers online and all the other kind of like websites that they're meeting along the way when they're shopping. They're really kind of giving a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, um, they're leaving a lot of breadcrumbs, I guess, you know, that we can capture to understand what is it that they're searching, what is it that they're finding, what are the products that they're seeing. We basically analyze millions and millions of searches. We ingest a terabyte of data every day around what consumers are searching, what do they like and don't like about the products that they're seeing. We analyze the reviews, we analyze the sentiment that consumers have across different products. And we, from that, surface out opportunities that financially seem to be a great fit. And then what we'll do is, again, using our supply chain, we'll turn that data into a spec for our product. And we have today uh, almost 40 people in our sourcing and quality control team that are going to go and find the right contract manufacturers to build a product that will be iteratively better. So that, is, that, that goes across many different categories. We're, from that perspective, pretty much category agnostic. We sell things like appliances and furniture and essential oils uh, and, and uh, you know, musical instruments. It's really all about what the data shows us, where we see that there's an opportunity to turn a product to a very successful, long-term, profitable, cash-generating uh, item that is meeting customer demand and really based on what consumers are telling us they're missing in the market, that's what we're gonna build. So it's a very, again, very algorithmic, very data-driven approach to the, to the world of consumer, but most importantly, it's very customer-centric. We're not building products because, oh, wow, we think this is what you know, the customer wants, or we're passionate about a particular item. We let the data guide us, and we do the best we can to get customers the best value for their money, which is what drives customers today. One thing that, you know, one thing to add to that, one last thought on this, right, is, a lot of people don't realize it, but the power that the uh, platforms like Amazon and Alibaba have given to consumers is that they have the ability to go and really do very meticulous uh, research on products. They can watch, they can look at reviews, they can look at price point comparisons, and, and that's driving a lot of the decision, right? And so by analyzing how they do that, we can find the white spaces, the dislocations that allow to bring the right product to market, and more important than anything else, meet the customer demand, right? Really give customers what they actually want, what they tell us they want. Understood. So you, you might have um, mentioned this before, but so where are you compiling the, this consumer data from? Are you buying it from um, these different Ebays and, and Amazons or, or how does that work? Yeah, so by, by, because we're also selling on these platforms, right? We use their APIs today to manage things like advertising and inventory levels. And so we have a lot of data that just by basically being in this business and interacting with these retail platforms, there's a lot of data that comes back from that. Now, of course, that data is not perfect. It's not exactly what we need. And so the magic lies in basically the data science of like taking that data 
which again, very important to, to tell the audience out there, the data is not anything that's uh, GDPR or personal. We're looking at high level statistics, right? How many ads have we seen for this particular product? What do we think is the click-through rate? We watch all the publicly available information. We don't use any personal information, any information that is related back to people. We look at it from a trend and high level category uh, ownership of different products to identify in that public, those public sets of data and the APIs that we're getting basically from the channels on which we sell, we cross correlate those data points. And from that, we build models that tell us uh, things like what, our what we estimate our competitors are selling or what are the incumbent products in the market currently seeing in terms of market share, in terms of uh, you know, volumes of sales, in terms of fluctuation of price and, and customer satisfaction. So we have very strong analytics about what is happening uh, in the market, mainly based on public available data and APIs that we get pretty much uh, as a side effect from doing business on these platforms. Got it. So what, um, as far as the, the APIs, what, what is that, how does that work like in practice? So, so, you know, you uh, think of it as, as uh, you know, you, for example, uh, if you want to advertise on an Amazon or Walmart, right? Like you, you, you can do it manually. You can go out there and go into their dashboard and you can uh, basically start creating advertising campaigns. Say you sell, you know, uh, a couch, right? So you can go into the advertising engine of Amazon, for example, and you can start building a campaign uh, around uh, how to sell a couch, right? What customers are going to look for. And you can kind of bid for different searches to get the customer traffic. So by doing that, typically you get back reports, right? Those reports are going to be basically telling you how well did your advertising go? Oh, you advertised for these searches. This is how many customers clicked on it. Now, again, the data you're getting is partial. It's only going to give you some statistical relevancy of your product to what people are searching for. Um, what we do is we automate all that. First of all, you know, we, we've built an automation engine that creates all these advertising campaigns by itself. But most important, it also pulls the data that we get back and then it feeds it to a data engine that uses that information plus publicly available info and cross correlates the data points to tell us an estimate of what the size of the market is, depending on how many people are searching for products statistically, how many people are clicking on ads, how many reviews are getting accumulated for products. We have all sorts of metrics that allow us to piece together from the data that's available to us, an estimate of the market size, the strength of the different uh, incumbents in the market in terms of like their moat. And then, you know, from that, we can deduct if there's a way to enter that market or not. If there's a trend, for example, maybe, you know, we're seeing a surge in a search that has a certain feature of a product that not a lot of products have, right? And so now the question becomes, is that going to be a long-term uh, um, trend or is that something that's a fad that's going to go away? And if we think it's a long-term, we have enough of a rapid supply chain that come in with a product that meets the demand and takes a good position in, in that market, if that makes sense, right? Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, I'm just so so you mentioned the the supply chain. So so is there any worry as um, we go through the the COVID recovery that um, you know supply won't be able to to meet up with demand? Yeah, just like you know, just I think every company out there is now uh, definitely you know any company out there that's dealing with supply chain is going to have those challenges. It's a very fluid situation. We're obviously dealing with it and following very closely. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think there's any consumer company out there that is, uh, you know, not going to be somewhat affected by that. So it's definitely something we're dealing with as well, for sure. 
Um, you know, it, we're following very closely. It's, it's there's, there's definitely different viewpoints as to when it gets resolved. It's uh, it's definitely kind of like the sinus wave where initially when the pandemic started, you had everyone basically not wanting any more uh, production from the factories at all because everyone thought, you know, we don't know what's going to happen uh, with, with COVID and are we going to have enough demand? And so it created this vacuum, right? And then, and then once we kind of figured out that we can somehow, you know, live with COVID and it's not the end of the world, right? The opposite happened. And all of a sudden, everyone piled in with demand. And so now it just created this imbalance in the movement of containers, which increased the price of containers and, you know, the time it takes to ship. So obviously, all those things affect us uh, and, and uh, we're dealing with them the best we can, right? But, uh, you know, it's something that we're following very closely. Yeah, and then I see someone in the chat asking about Amy Software, A-I-M-E-E. -E. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, you know so, that so Amy is basically our, uh, yeah, Amy is our technology, right? It's, a, it's, it's our platform that runs our entire business. Everything that I spoke about, right, the uh, ability to detect products, the ability to manage the supply chain, the ability to uh, manage, uh, you know, inventory, uh, uh, advertising costs, uh, forecasting, pretty much everything in our business uh, that is uh, digital, you know, that we can digitalize, that we can automate is, is happening through Amy. So it's our, we, we, we refer to it as an operating system for commerce, right? Every aspect of the business flows through it so that we have one central, uh, uh, you know, data storage and data lake where all the information about our business, about the market is, is, is available to all the different components of the system. And so we can make the best decisions on the fly. You know, again, uh, Amy is kind of the crown jewel of our IP. It's where we've invested all uh, our efforts in terms of allowing us to build uh, a business that is more scalable, that has op the better operating leverage because it allows us to manage more products with, uh, you know, a, a strong team but also a team that doesn't have to exponentially grow as the number of as the amount of revenue on the products that we uh, sell are, are are continuing to pile, right? Right. So we we have a we have a phrase here that we we like to talk about uh, the thing behind the thing. So it sounds like Amy is the thing behind the thing for you guys. That's correct. That's correct. That's really our that's our differentiator, right? Like you know, I think in a way you can almost think of it this way, right? Like it's the, the what's happened with e-commerce is that. There's been a level playing field. Anyone out there can go and try to, you know, you have throughout, through Alibaba, for example, you have access to thousands of manufacturers. If you and I wanted to build a brand tomorrow, we could probably figure out like what we want to do and then go to Alibaba and get like, you know, some manufacturer access and, and build the product with them. And then with things like Amazon and Shopify and Facebook, you pretty much can reach, you know, millions of customers. So what used to be very difficult in the past, if again, you and I wanted in the past to build a product and put it on a shelf at Walmart, that was very hard, right? Because there was not a lot of space on the shelf. It was really hard to get in there. You had to be a big brand to do that. That has been completely changed by e-commerce because of that infinite shelf that's out there and the access that you know pretty much anyone has today to either create products or sell them. What we've done with Amy is we basically said, you know, let's the next differentiator is in the ability to do that at scale. Because again, everyone out there can go and do that. Everyone out there, you have today almost two, you have 2 million uh, third-party sellers on Amazon uh, that are running 60% of Amazon's revenue. They're basically a lot of mom and pop's businesses that are, you know, leveraging this, this incredible opportunity to go out there and build products and sell them online. But the problem they have is that they reach a certain scale, maybe tens of millions of dollars and then they can cap, they're capped out because 
the, 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 the challenge with this new model is it requires you to do a lot of things manually, right? Managing your advertising, your forecasting, your inventory, all these things. And so when we looked at that, we said, you know, <clears throat> to, to do this at scale, you need technology, you need to automate all these things. Because otherwise, as you add more products into your business, as you try to manage more channels, the complexity of your business becomes exponential. And you're going to run out of smart people to hire to manage all this complexity, right? And so for us, the technology is the next frontier. It is what's going to allow consumer companies to manage end-to-end from manufacturer all the way to customer, uh, you know, thousands of products, but in a very efficient way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it just sounds fascinating, your guys' business model using the technology um, to, to power that whole marketplace. Um, what well, one, one thing, one thing, sorry, one thing that's really maybe interesting for the audience to hear about it, if anyone who's followed us as well, right, is, as I mentioned, all these smaller businesses that we are basically differentiating through technology with, uh, there is a lot of opportunity out there, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there to actually acquire them. So what we've been doing last year is we've also uh, been, you know, out there basically buying smaller businesses that have great assets and add them to our platform. And that's allowed us to scale very rapidly. Uh, there's a huge uh, kind of thing happening right now in the industry where, Billions of dollars are being poured into companies trying to uh, aggregate smaller sellers into holding companies. And, you know, it's uh, one of the strategies that we're going to continue to execute on uh, pretty aggressively in the next uh, few months. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a very big driver into our growth. Right. And it's already been we, we've you know, we've we've uh, we've built we've acquired uh, seven, seven different brands in the last year. So uh, continuing on that pattern, we'll we'll, we'll uh you know, will again allow us to continue to scale very rapidly. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, if there's anything else you want to leave our audience w- with, uh, Yaniv, then uh, please do. No, just uh, yeah. Thanks so much. You know, for for those who've been following us before, we're super excited about this uh, new rebranding and the uh, the name and the to- storytelling that we're putting out there. And I think we're going to invest heavily and in to get more visibility into our story in the next uh, few months. And for those who just are starting to learn about us, you know, uh, excited to uh excited to tell you more about what our company does and uh you know um if you believe in e-commerce and believe it's the future you should definitely check out what we're doing yeah and just for anyone who might be just joining us this is uh formerly mohawk mohawk group ceo now atirian inc and the, the new ticker is ater so they're going from mwk is that right that's correct Tomorrow mwk morning. to ater new ticker um so that's real exciting stuff that the rebrand everything going on um, and, and yeah, we'd love to get you back on again in, in a few months or so for, for some company updates. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Thanks for the time. No problem. Enjoy the rest of your day, Yaniv. Take care. Thank you. Um, all right. That was Yaniv, CEO of Aterian, now Aterian, formerly Mohawk. Mr. Asnick, can you hear me? I got Jason on. I don't know if he can hear me or not. <laughs> we got Rohan too. What's up, Rohan? Um, all right. So now let's take some uh, take some tickers out of the chat before we get we got Ripster coming on in eight minutes, one thirty. I see some people in the in the chat asking when is Ripster coming on. So we got eight minutes till Ripster comes on. Um, 
So get your questions ready for Ripster. Ripster is the best person to ask about anything when it comes to charts, technical analysis. All right, all right. I'm here. Don't worry, don't worry. Everything, okay. Everything's back to normal. You're, you're okay. You're okay. So <laughs> this is Jason Rasnick. Rohan and I got the finish. Um, Rohan will just sit there and move the above head camera if he knows how to use it. Move it around. Show it around the office, Rohan. People want to know. Um, let's get back to it. Let's talk about trading. Um, that was awesome. Awesome interview, AB, for your first one on your own. I know you were really nervous. Um, I think you handled it. You got to get a little more energy sometimes, you know, a little more vo voice intonations and that kind of stuff. But it was still um, quality. Okay. So they're asking us about SDC. Oh, so when you're that, saying that, that you're that saying Spencer that Israel, the voice Spencer, intonation. Spencer Israel got in so much trouble today, by the way. And what did he do? So. We, we we got reached out to us by someone that works for Trump to come on the show in the next couple of weeks. I'm Wait, serious. Like, like actually to actually bring Trump on the show. Yeah, I'm serious. He was on um, Mornings with Maria this morning. We have more viewers than Mornings with Maria. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. Like I don't. And Trump and uh, I mean Spencer and Joel said they went interview uh, Trump. And people got really mad that, like, we're supposed to be apolitical and, you know, we well, ask yeah, questions. We're, we're a media outlet. We can interview anyone. We just have to ask your questions. I know. I know. I know. So Spencer and Joel got really shit on. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel bad for them a little bit. Well, I bit. saw the comment. Or I, I hopped in the chat and I, I said to someone this morning, I was like, we're here to make money, not talk politics. And then I said, as a joke, I'm voting for uh, Joel and Spencer in 2024. And someone kicked me out of the chat. Oh, really? Because they said I was talking politics for saying I'm, I'm voting for Spencer and Joel. And I was like, I was just making a joke. All right. But oh, I, really? Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is crazy. That is absolutely like, <laughs> oh, my God. Who did that? I don't know. We've been trying to figure it out it, since. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that. No, I know. I got put in the in the penalty box, and, and so people only, people and, only... and 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 I saw someone like put one of our main guys in the penalty box, and I'm like, who the hell is doing this? I'm gonna get remove privileges. I don't know if it was Happy Muhammad. I'll give him a warning. I won't remove his privileges, but I mean, don't be doing that. Like that's bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like who cares if Donald Trump sucks or doesn't suck? That's not the point. You're interviewing the person. Yeah. I mean, people are such schmoes when they talk that. Who cares? Well, I, you know? yeah, I, I told someone else in the comments. That's why know, I felt. That's why I felt bad for Spencer and Joel because I knew they'd get yelled at and creamed for doing what they said. You know, so I actually felt bad for them. But it is what it is. So wait, who's who's that on the screen right now? Where is that John G with the with the vertical monitor? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay, so I need I need I need Zinger Nation's help. Okay, here's where I need your help. Okay, this is important. We got this is a. Big deal. So O's Perlman is going to be on the CNBC Fantasy Draft at 2 p.m. Okay? He needs picks. He needs to have six picks. And we are going to talk about his picks, his things right now. So he, can have, he has to have six picks. And we're going to talk about his picks right now and what O's should do. So this is what I want to do. I want to do it um, on the show right now. Here we go. Hold on. All right, we're live. Okay, so we need to tell O's he's number seventh in the draft, and we need to tell O's what to picks to make. All right, I'm gonna widen the screen. Here we go. O's knows he's a mentalist. We are talking about you live. O's is here. O's, do you want to come on and discuss right now? 
the picks or do you just want to listen? Okay. All right. So now this is what I'm going to tell O's. I know, the, I know the other guys aren't listening. This is just for O's, and we're going to help Zinger Nation. We're going to help O's Perlman win, okay? So here's the contest. This is um, this is for the CBC fans here at 2 p.m. We need to tell O's. El Ripster comes out at 1.30 or 1.33. We're moving six minutes behind right now. 1.33. <laughs> so what's wrong? What's wrong, A.B.? I, I just think it's funny. Why is that funny? <laughs> six minutes is just an arbitrary. It's a random number. That's what it is. So he told me. Why, why is it arbitrary? Oh, he told. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Sorry. God, sometimes I don't know what the hell you're doing if you're drinking on the job. Okay. So, oh, oh you can't listen in a second, but well, then you're missing out, dude. Then you miss out. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll just text you O's. All right. What are the stocks we're giving O's to buy? What's going to move? In the in in um what's gonna move in the um next year? My picks and I'm telling O's, um, my picks in the in the next year is um is gonna be. Let me see. Um, I'm going here. Vegas Vegas Sands is interesting. Um, tan. I'm going tan. Etsy, Arc, um, BTC. Whoever said that is silly. There's no way Bitcoin will be available at the end. You know, um, um, okay. What other ones? Do you like any, Aaron? Any stocks just in the next year? Uh, yeah. Look at the list. Any stocks? No. There's thirty. There's thirty stocks you can choose from right now. Look at the list. Um, I do like DraftKings here. I like. Um, I think. I, well, I think I, I'd imagine Arc will start or the ARKK fund because I was just looking at that earlier and it's been down only one and a half percent year to date. So if you expect any of those Kathy picks to really start moving, the Teslas, the Nano Dimensions, then Arc could be a good play here too. Um, Apple too. So those those would be my three. Apple, Arc, and uh well actually wait, no, I see Bowen on there. I'm gonna revise that. Apple, Bowen, and DraftKings. You like Apple, Bowen, and DraftKings. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll right. give you a thesis for I he needs his thesis. Okay, so for uh, Apple, it's it's obviously they just crushed earnings, the stock's trading down. But technically, it's not they just crushed earnings. It just it, crushed it, earnings. The company, the company just crushed yeah, earnings. You're right. It's just one company. The people at Apple crushed earnings. Sure, that's fine. that's good if you want. Um. So the company crushed earnings. You guys know that me and O's were third last year, but we were first the whole time. We had Bitcoin, Disney, and Goldman Sachs. Disney and Goldman were my picks. Bitcoin was O's's picks. And what the hell is that? O's. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh wait, who's who put this on the? All right, we gotta get this on the screen. That's me. Okay, sorry. So the, we, I picked Disney last year, and I picked um, uh, Goldman, and always picked Bitcoin. Um, do you guys think Etsy has a chance to have a lot of upside? It tripled in the last year. You guys still think it has a lot of upside potential? Oz is asking. What do you, what do you guys think? What does Zinger Nation think? What do you think? What is Zinger Nation? Dude, there's no time to joke right now. This is a, we have we have 26 minutes until the draft. If you guys are in here to joke, then get then um, 
get out of here. Like, Sean, get out of here. We don't have time for this shit. We're focusing. We have a, we have a draft. Last year we were third. We were first the whole time until Tesla took off. So, guys, we need the three picks for O's here. So you prefer DraftKings. Yeah, so DraftKings, if, casino, if online gaming really takes off, DraftKings has a chance to spike. We need two other picks. So OSTK, you're like an overstock. Guys, we need to have six stocks for O's. O's is listening right now. He has the IFB in his ear. He's going on CBC at 2 p.m. This is Zinger Nation coming together to give O's the best three. He picks two stocks. We have to give him six because by the time he gets them, a lot of them will be taken. So um, sweet life trader. We have our picks, but I'm coming to Zinger Nation to get All right, I'm going to ignore this guy, sweet life trader, put him in, remove him. Okay, so all right, they're not helping Zinger Nation, so I'm sorry. Uh, Oz, I, I thought I thought they would, but they're just all. Um, I guess Bo- Bo- Boeing was trading like 340 right before the the pandemic hit and the market crash, and it's still got ways to go. People are going to be flying out the, you know, everyone's going to be flying, so places are going to need to start buying more Boeing yeah, but, airplanes. But, yeah, but why is anyone even talking about Leslie's when when it's just the stocks on the screen that I'm showing you guys right now? Jesus. All right, so here's what I'll uh, – forget Zinger Nation on this one. They're not being nice. So I'm going to um, give O's. I like Delta. I like Delta. Look at the market cap right now, um, Aaron. Uh, maybe put it in pro. What's 52-week high in Delta? Let's see. I'm getting it pulled up in pro right now. Share, oh, if I share my screen, you won't be able to see it. All right. Uh, 52-week range. So the 52-week high is $52.28. Fifty-two dollars and twenty-eight cents. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's currently at forty-six, forty-six thirty-five. Forty-six thirty-five. Yeah. Okay. So business travel is definitely taking a hit short term, but I think when O's gets there, and I know Delta stays stays at forties to fifties. What about FedEx, Facebook? We need volatile stocks. You guys, we got to swing for the fences. So Delta, if it goes up, it's up ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent. Roadblock, Roblox. What's what's Roblox's market cap? Guys, um, I always oh, I'm still a big fan of Ford right now. Um, now Ford had earnings yesterday. Give me the chart on Ford. Let me put you back up on Ford. Give me put Ford up. What's the what? What Ford do? Did it move anything? So Ford came down from like thirteen. Yeah, because because the 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 chips the chips they forecast on the, the the profit was huge, but chips. Um, okay, so okay, um. Give me the market cap on um, what I just said. Give me the market cap on. Go to the back to the previous one. Uh, Roblox. I, I didn't. It didn't have a market cap on here. We'll have to go find. You guys realize this is what O's just texted me. He's going live on CNBC in 27 minutes. If you're not first, you're last. Ricky Bobby, baby. Yeah. Um, so we need to. We need to go. We need to do like a, a, a one that can really run. We can't just pick safe ones. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So t- thank you, Made in India. You're the man. 27 billion. So I think Ro- oh, 40 billion. I think Roblox can run though. I do. Um, you know, I, I do. I and mean, you guys will watch O's pick. I'll be texting him. So if you want to send it to me, you know, what about plug power? It's already taken off so much, but that is one that has the potential to move in a big way. Like I could tell O's McDonald's because McDonald's is always going to do well. But if we really, really need it to go, it is, um, you know, what's the market of McDonald's? Give me that. McDonald's. McDonald's. Okay, hey, hey, Rips here. So we got one more minute to rip. So. One more minute. All right. Market cap for McDonald's is 167 billion. Hundred. What'd you say? 167 billion. 
All right. And Rip may have some uh, – Ripster may have some ideas. Yeah, so. we should ask Rip. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going to. And Oz doesn't know what plug power is. You guys, you think plug power can still rip? Let me get uh, let me get rip on real quick. Wait, look at what? Look at plug's chart. Plug's chart doesn't look good, but it it could go back up to this previous high of seventy bucks, and it's only well, at twenty eight. So that'd be 100, so, over yeah. 100%. So let's ask Rip because he'll he'll be able to help O's on this one. Hold on, right. let me let me do the zingernation. Go ahead. All right, Ripster, welcome back Thursday afternoon, 1.35 Eastern time. How are you, my man? Hey, Jason. How are you? Good, good. So we're trying to help out our friend. His name is Oz Perlman. He's the mentalist, okay? He's mm-hmm. like been on um, America's Got Talent. He came in third, um, and he does like shows for like, you know, I don't know. He's Steve Cohen's personal mentalist. I, I don't know. But Who's that? His, name, his, his name is Oz Perlman. He at two at two p.m. He's going to be on CNBC doing the CNBC fantasy draft. You know, Tim Seymour is in it. I was in it last year with O's or two years ago. We came in third. He has to pick two stocks on the show. So if you look at our screen right now, we have that screen that we have up there right now. That is the stocks he gets to choose from. We where'd it go? There it goes. That's the stocks he gets to choose from. So our question to you is: He needs. He wants to swing for the fences. Do you think plug power should be something he should look at? I mean, he only picks two, but he's number eight or seventh in the draft. His mentalist abilities did not work to get him a good draft pick. So you need to uh, the pick should have a low mar- a low market cap, and uh, it should be growing uh, exponentially on the sales and revenues. So you just want my thoughts on plug? Yeah, well, I just asked about plug because I know plug, you know, is falling a lot. Maybe because the ones I told oh so far mm-hmm. are this. I, you're not going to like, but out of the choices they give us, there's a 60 sto- socks. That's all they give out of the choices they gave us. I told them tan in case solar takes off Invesco ETF. I'm not saying this is like amazing. I said, tan is in play. I said, um, what else did I say? In play? I said, uh, arc innovation fund, a R K K. And then I gave him, I gave him one more, um, Ford. I gave him Ford. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, th- so out of the picks that you see on the screen right now, those are the ones I gave him. Any well, opinion? And then someone said plug power. And I'm like, you know what? Let's ask the man, the myth, and the legend. The Ripster the man. Timeline? What's the timeline? The timeline is one year. One year, huh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, Ripster, you got it that you need like a lower, you know, something that can really run because you're only mm-hmm. going to win this thing if you get two stocks that give like 100% over the year or whatever. Maybe not 100%, but whatever it is. You're not going to yeah, win yeah. by getting... You're not getting that 100% on your Apple's you know, Boeing's and all that. You need something which is still growing, still growth, and low market cap, float, so smaller float. If you really want to win this game, you find something which has relatively smaller float and, of course, outstanding uh, shares relatively lower. And, you know, plug will uh, cut the bill. But, uh, again, plug is a lot of that more of a potential name. I, I you know, I haven't studied it uh, recently, but, you know, I it's I need to see what what what's the TAM coming days what's how's the revenue sales i don't see much here on my chart you know um let me see what else you got royal caribbean roku pfizer paypal palantir nvidia oil lenars macy's las vegas sands it's 10 months it ends in late february always perlman just texted me it ends in late february what about Vi- viacom could be interesting because if they're still way down off what they were trading at a few months ago 
Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, I don't really like to talk like way down. A down, if something is down, can go way down, way, way lower, unless you're using a stock, <laughs> right? So nothing, anything which is low can go lower. So right. you 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 like to wait till something's back on that up. I like to see the strength, right? Uh, buy the strength and sell the strength. Buy high, sell higher, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, what what about Nvidia? That could easily be at eight hundred dollars by next February. What do you what do you think, Ripster? Yeah, you, yeah Nvidia, like is, uh, Nvidia is a good one. All right, he likes uh, Ripster likes Nvidia. So always take that to the bank. Plug, plug for still for me is a lot of, uh, you know, still a kind of a speculation for me. I mean, if you just go by chart, yes, it can reverse over 32 and, you know, squeeze back up to 48 and all that. But, um, yeah, from chart side. So, yeah. Raz, you said he's what, like the seventh, eighth pick? Yeah. And then Palantir. I will I will rather go Palantir. Yeah. Palantir, he says yeah. Palantir. Palantir, because a proven, uh, it's proven TAM and a proven uh, their market potential. So, all right. So he likes Palantir, and then the last question is, guys, do you think Tesla could pop or drop um, up until February of next year? Yeah, I don't try like to predict things, but Tesla, I know. you know, once Tesla reclaims seven hundred twenty, and then it can uh, uh, get the right back up. All right, O's. We gave you we gave you some stuff. Now I got to go to Ripster's picks because Ripster's community's here and they want it. They're asking me questions and they want Ripster. Yeah. So haven't talked to you in a bit. How have you been doing? First, yeah, I mean, you know, March was tough. I think we met after March. I was here in April, so April has been relatively good. Uh, just uh, sticking with the um, short-term trades, recently earning trades. Not too many swings, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm still not ready. I'm still not ready to put my money on growth stocks that I like. You know, still taking the cautious. I, I don't like to buy the dips and weakness. So, um, but have been playing earnings. You know, I don't have many picks today. Maybe I'll, you know, because I'm still not throwing my cash there. Maybe uh, I might have one or two. But I'm more here to talk about uh, earnings, right? How people are playing earnings. People have a very wrong con concept of playing earnings. And you know they um, they just they play earnings and they see oh this happened it's still not going up this happened still not going up so that's that's I would uh, like to talk about but to recap last time I was here we were talking about uh, spy right yep. so I told them that spy when it breaks out that 398 level it, it that will when it will trend and that's what happened right if you see the spy chart the range breakout happened at 398 400 and now it's at 420. So whoever had those monthly calls, you know, yeah. they banked. So that's where we were last time. And now uh, SPY is at high, is taking a breather. Everything, um, there's nothing really bearish out there. Like that saying, you know, um, I mean, earnings are coming out good. Um, uh, they are saying uh, Biden won't even be able to pass his uh, uh, whatever tax he was trying to do. You know, I mean, that's... Sorry, did, 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 I say that out, did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. GDP is growing fine. So the thing is, the market is just taking breather. So I think what's happening today after after good earnings and we couldn't make higher highs on our market or our stocks mark, um, you know, investors are like, you know, if this can't move the market, let's take some profits. Right. 
so that's what's happening today so but just uh, we need to watch i will i will want a consolidation like maybe a little more pullback consolidation you want, don't want things to go straight up right you know the way spy has been doing right straight up since 410 so i would rather have it consolidate you know uh, for some time and then move up but uh, my main focus is not spy i mean spy is fine the fangs are fine the where you make most of your money is your growth picks you know you you, you need money in small caps uh, iwm uh, russell mid caps that's still weak that's what uh, that's what troubles me that's why uh, you know i'm not taking any big uh, swings or you know or doing anything like that so that's 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 my thoughts of where we are on the market still being patient still um, you know still taking short term trades earnings trades and all that so um, yeah so so, so, yeah. so rip um i hear you and i and there's similar things i was doing but i started buying like um pool related stocks because yeah. last year during corona a lot of people got pools and then in texas when they had all the damage to pools so i started buying like some of these like um leslie's um and then a couple others do you look at even though the market is not you know all straight do you look at like trends like okay yeah. people are gonna get more work done to pools chlorine there's a chlorine shortage do you go in and then go buy would you go buy like Leslie's like 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 I did sorry about that guys Def, de definitely definitely I would do that I haven't looked up into so you what you call trend is I call that uh, the sectors with relative strength right I always talk about relative strength you want to see where the money is flowing well, you know I'm not aware of um, what trends are right now I was just focusing on my short term trades but there was something going on like that few months ago or last year it was all about rvs you know market was weak but all the rv stocks you were moving right cwh so that's you know so i would definitely take it if you have some suggestions on this pool what you're talking about if you see money is flowing that side yes why not it's 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 a good trader goes where the money is right rather than uh, going where the money is coming out and you are putting the money uh, in some weakness go find where the money is flowing and you just put the money there so I agree with you. That's a good point. Yeah. So I did that. I bought that Leslie's and one other one that I don't know. It's like H Y Y or something. Someone in the show said about it. But um, I like some people. You know, ask you about old stocks that I know you don't play anymore. Um, do you? When you get rid of old stocks, do you look at them to see where they're at? Like now. Or are they just dead to you? Or do you like do you like if you traded Neo in the past and got rid of it, will you sometimes revert back to old stocks that you were in three months ago to see if the chart's forming again? Or I guess what I'm trying to ask is, yeah, like, yeah, go ahead with that. Definitely, definitely. See the a stock, a company, which is it's on a growth trajectory. It might slow down or something happen. Market fundamentals might throw it down, right? And when I see that the chart has been like. You talked about Neo, right? Neo was at a big run. I had alerted it at 14. It went to 67 for all my followers. But then it, you know, then I stopped trading it when it was kind of fully extended. I moved to other names. But um, recently, Neo has been consolidating. So yes, I, the story is still the same. The stock market cap is almost half, which was it at highest value. And if then I wait for the earnings. So earnings, I wait. Um, you know how the earnings are. And then if if it's looking good, then I that then I might take it. But I again I will not buy the weakness. I will not buy Neo at um, like I didn't buy Neo when it was thirty five last month. I didn't buy it few weeks ago. I only bought recently right before the earnings as an earning run up, 
you know, I traded it, you know, alerted everybody when it broke the trend line to upside. So I wait for the strength. So I definitely go back to uh, you to a company. But again, I'm more cautious, right? Because uh, when a stock is on uptrend and it had that major fall for, let's say, a few earning quarters, that means something is amiss that they need to work on. So I'm, I will still get back on them, but I will be cautious, you know, maybe make a smaller trades, wait and watch. They just, they just have to prove themselves. Let's say like companies which have like shop, they have always, you know, they never really have um, multi-baggers. They never really had a big uh, pullbacks. You know, they were always outperforming TTD, TTD every quarter. It beats, it not only beats, it just stands up to the um, the expectations that TTD has. Everybody has expectations from him. So that's how I would like to revisit any old stock, right? Like you mentioned. Yeah, no, and TTD, like you said, has been unbelievable. I mean, so do you, are you are you is that do you have like long term holdings that you just don't ever trade out of? Like, do you own Google long term or Apple? Like, what do you have long term ones that you just don't even mess with? No, I always, even with the long term, I have some bio, biotechs, which I don't really mess with, but other long terms I trade around the core. I would cut them and, you know, add them all around, but I just don't sit on them, right? Because I can use that capital to trade short term and make much more in a shorter term, right? And that's just me because I'm a combination of a short term, long term, swing trader, day trader. So I can do a lot of things, but might not work for everybody. But yeah, TTD, uh, I was long term on TTD, but I'm not on it right now. Like when uh, we had that um, COVID laws, you know. Got it. And guys, we have Ripster on. Isn't it like Aaron? You don't have his Twitter name on his thing. Isn't it Ripster 47 though? Yeah, yeah. Ripster 47. I knew it by heart. I knew it yeah. by heart. See? Yeah. 47. Because I'll throw, the, I'll throw it in the chat, the link, so it's easier. So you don't is have to. Is 47 your favorite number? Um, you know, I'm a, I was a gamer before I was, uh, I was a, like a home gamer, amateur gamer. Before I was a uh, uh, ripster on Twitter, I was, uh, Hitman was my favorite game, you know, Hitman 47, Agent 47. So that's, uh, uh, yeah. There's always unique stories. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then, <laughs> go ahead, what are you going to say? No, no, no. I just, um, um, so I just want to take today's opportunity to talk about earnings right because i have been yep. playing earnings last one week i have been alerting earning plays a lot of people still don't get it right when you know you know the newbies so i just want to go uh, talk over earnings a little bit when you have time please right now take take it away my man yeah so the thing with earnings is right you you have to look at the chart you have to look at the technicals and market psychology what is market psychology market psychology is in the chart if you see the chart has been going down for last one year, that means everybody who bought is in a loss, right? Every pop down, 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 right? You don't even need to look at last three earnings. You can just look at the chart, right? So when you look at the chart, if the chart is weak, does not matter the beat earning, that's a different topic. I, I don't even look at beat. I, I look at what are they doing year after year. Does not matter the beat earnings, beat sales, whatever, right? That it will bounce. It will it will bounce, right? But if the chart is weak, all-time highs or relatively six-month lows, sorry, uh, weaker lows, it will bounce, and it's an opportunity of the investors to get out, right? You you see oh good earnings, you long it, and then it goes few points and tanks, and you say oh Rip, why is it tanking? Why is that stock running? It is tanking because it is. It, the investors are disappointed, uh, investors are getting out, 
you know, because that's their opportunity to get out. So that's what happened. That, that's one thing. And then, then, then there are some stocks like Facebook, Google, even Microsoft, yeah. which are consolidating at highs. You have an earning and right before earnings, it's consolidating at their all time highs. What does that mean? That means all the investors are in money. Everybody is profitable in that chart, like how Google was, how Microsoft was and how Facebook was. So when they report the next earnings, right? And this earnings is really good. It's blowing out year over year. Numbers are much better like Facebook, right? Just just take uh, put a Facebook chart on there, right? Uh, put a daily daily chart. Right, Facebook or Google, yeah. Just zoom and zoom a little bit. So you know that when the Facebook's earning came, it broke out of that. Uh, it was kind of in a range, 300, 315 range. And when it broke that range, you know, it has more. The existing hold buyers will hold it because they are already in money. They they bought lower. They are in money, and the earnings are good. They will hold it. New buyers will come in because they know earnings are good and it's breaking out of all time highs, right? So those buyers will come in, the new and existing investors will hold. So it's all market psychology. That's why when Facebook earning came after hours, it broke out of that level. It ran, I, I told people that it will run after 315 and went to 331, you know, you made money after hours, right? I don't recommend adding too many calls, but if you held some calls, you made money there. So that's how, how you play earnings. You find those charts. Microsoft, even though good earnings, it could not break the highs, right? When it could not break the highs, the investors know that, okay, on a good earnings, a stock is not breaking the highs. I'd rather take some profit here because market is not interested, right? So that's why Microsoft technically couldn't break that. So that's why it, it rejected. That's, you know, and everybody started taking profit. Same as, um, same as Google, right? Google, Google was going, breaking out, I, you know, I, I alerted, but then the market tanked and other thing, always look at the market. If market is weak, let's say it was today, uh, uh, SPY uh, is weak, NASDAQ is weak, everything is weak and you blow out the earnings, then even then sometimes it has no relative strength. It will fall back and you will say, oh, why is tanking? Because you don't look at the indices. You don't look at WIX. You don't look at anything, right? So, so sometimes there's a bad timing of earnings. So that being said, let's look at example of Amazon, which is going to come today. So what do you see on Amazon? Jason, if you are just going to go on Amazon. So for, so for six months, Amazon hey, has- go to, go to Amazon, Aaron. Yeah. Okay, he did. He's, he's, yeah. on, he's on delay, man. He's on delay. No, no, that's fine. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's a it's a delay on the thing. That's all. He's yeah. not on delay. All right, there he goes. Peace. So if if you invested in Amazon in August, you are an Amazon investor. You are still flat. Amazon has basically gone nowhere, right? It's a six month long range, right? But you're still flat or almost. You know, most people are in money. You know, who invested uh, any time before August or since August? Everybody is in money. So let's see how the earnings are today. So my analysis, my probability of charts or you know whatever I have learned from the market tells me if Amazon has a good earnings and it breaks out of that uh, 3500, 3530 level, it will it will push. Everybody will be in money. 
if earnings are good, then more investors, will, technical traders will jump in, more investors will jump in, current investors will hold on to see how higher we go, right? So, yeah, and so that that's that's how you play earnings, right? You know, it anything can fail. There is nothing absolute in trading. I keep telling people, you know, they are like, oh, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. There is nothing absolute. Nobody, if somebody tells you that uh, trading, market, investing, things are absolute, buy this indicator it's absolute i'm the guru this is nothing is absolute everything will fail everything will fail at some point of time any setup any strategy but the point is if something works when it works you make money and when it fails you lose less money that's 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 the core of you know the trading and investing is Right. So just for example, what setup I'm telling you, right, this worked on Google, this worked on Facebook, you know, uh, you know, it didn't trigger on trigger on Microsoft. So we didn't trade it. It can work on Amazon. It cannot work on Amazon. But if it, if it works right, then you make sure you make good money. So that's that's how you define a setup system strategy. You don't just come into investing and start trading and saying, oh, I have got a bunch of money. My my friends told me Amazon is good company. They beat. Let me buy it. Okay, let me buy the options. Earnings are going to be good. I heard that. No, that's not how you invest. That's not how you trade. You have to have a system. You have to have a strategy, working strategy that when it works, it makes you money. When it doesn't work, very small losses. So that's that's how you trade. So that I don't want if, if my followers are here. So I don't want next time. I don't want to see this. Hey, Rip, you know, this one tanked, right? You know, because I repeat these things a lot of times, right? And and as a, as a, as my passion of educating, I I still answer everybody. I, I you know, but but you have to help yourself. You know, help yourself. Try to understand how everything works and follow that. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I was just I, mean, I was shocked just yesterday at, at Apple how much Apple fell after hours. Well, it popped for a second, went up to like one thirty seven, but then started falling. It's just been yeah. a dog today. And that was on like record crushing everything. And, and it's like yeah. you're saying, though, the people that have been in have made their money. And now they're like, what's next? They've already crushed earnings. So they get out, they're selling. And, um, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't know if you, you said exactly what happened with Apple, but, but I don't know. I want to hear your opinions on that. Yeah. So see, for me, the Apple, I, I haven't checked the earnings. For, see, Apple, again, there are still people who are in loss in Apple. The people who invested, uh, let's see, the people who invested in Apple in uh, February, right? Just uh, oh yeah, one, just end one, of January, right here. Anybody the- who invested in Apple one quarter ago at one forty-two is still in loss. That that's right. And if 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 the Apple bounced, a lot of some of them will take profits. And technically, Apple did not break one thirty-five. It did not break one. 3840 right it did not break those resistances so that's why it's back but it doesn't mean that it it can't once it reclaims those levels it it can move forward right so yeah and again, and again my apple microsoft is the market they are the market they are the um uh, you know the snp and tech so that's that's what happened there no yeah 100 percent. i i I really do think that, I mean, if I, if I had to buy one stock for the next year and just hold Apple would be very high up on that list. Like if I had to buy a stock and couldn't even sell it, 
um, because they're, I mean, their financials are just insane and they have so much cash on hand. Um, but I think people are worried about that. They're like, were these earnings too good? Like, where do they go from here? You know, cause from here, they're not going to be able to beat this, this quarter's iPhone sale, you know, whatever it is. Or yeah. that's what some investors are worried about. Here's the thing, right? If you are a conservative investor, you don't want an exponential growth. You want safe, casual growth next five, six years. Yes. Take Apple. I would, if I, I would buy Apple at 130, put a stop at 100 or 120, you know, you know, maybe keep adding, keep adding in between that 120 or 100, 130 range. But it's such a huge stock. It has a such a huge market cap. It is so such a big float, right? You can't expect exponential growth right away. But yes, for a good passive investor long term, yeah, invest in Apple and sit back. Ten years, I have no doubt they will. They are innovators. They will find something. They will find something to keep moving on. No doubt about that. So just invest it and, and sit back, and maybe it's two hundred fifty. 300 in like maybe a year, two, two years, who knows, right? But- yeah, that's the thing is I don't know what, you know, the highs it's going to hit or when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to keep going up, you know? And so you're, you're, I know you're doing a little bit differently where you're actively trading, getting in and out yeah. of things, just looking for those daily moves. But, um, you know, that's, that's what I think about Apple yeah. is they're just, yeah. they're just killer. But you, you, you said you do have some of your long-term holdings, but those are mostly biotechs. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of, speaking of biotechs, we got to get your uh, buddy farm, farm da back on yeah yeah, yeah. we need to get this has been the biotech has been uh, the sector which has taken so much hit in last two months and still not recovered yet right so but there so that's why a lot of people ran away from biotechs or you know a lot of people took losses but when it has to recover the rotation will come and once that rotation comes all the biotechs will be you know they will there will be multiple uh, returns from them it's just just a market rotation Got it. Well, um, we do have our crypto show starting right now at two Eastern. Um, I don't know if you, if you if you trade cryptos, Ripster, but you should hang around for that because that should be interesting. Um, is no, there anything? No, no, I'm not much into cryptos. No, you're not. Well, yeah, is there anything no. else you want to leave uh, leave our audience with before you leave, before we head no, out? No, not really. I mean, um, just wanted to you know, share my thoughts on earnings, how to you know earnings and strategies, and just want people to uh, you know. L- have their conviction find their system and you know just don't run around looking for alerts or looking for some magic formula you know i've been getting a lot of dms because here's what happened like january february market was good everything was running gamey happened amc happened whatever thousands of hundred thousands of new new traders came into the market thinking it's an atm what happened march came the choppy April came. A lot of accounts got destroyed. Everybody is desperate now to make the money back that they lost. So I get DMs. Hey, Rip, I was 1,000% account in January, February. I don't know what happened. You know, where should I go? Do you know? Where are you alerting? Where can I get your alerts? Or where? who's the best alert guy? Blah, blah, blah. Which is the best room? No, no. You're not going to get your money back if you think that. You will, whatever is left, you will destroy all of that, right? Unless you are persistent and you you have, um, you know, uh, you can sustain uh, the number of account blowups and keep moving up. Maybe, yes, then you can succeed. But again, you have to change your mentality. You just can't go looking for alerts or whatever. You have to understand what 
don't think why you made money in february or january think why you lost money in march think holistically think about the whole market what was market doing what were the sectors doing and then think about what were you doing what did you follow a strategy was each of your march trades were they a part of a setup was was it a repeatable setup so it was a random trade like you did in january and february right you can't answer that because most of them was random and you don't even have a, a system or a repeatable process and when you won maybe you won like a few trades you know uh, uh, small 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 and then march came you just kept adding the dips because for you oh this is cheap because you don't understand the market or maybe this guy alerted it it better be good and you add it add it add it without a system or strategy and then you know boom so that's what you have to look up you have to introspect right and we were there i was there right everybody had heard my story i you know you know just when i when i focused on myself just me believe in yourself i you are your holy grail i keep telling everyone you are your holy grail there's no holy grail out there you will not find any you'll just keep losing money from a room to room chat room guru to guru maybe twitter accounts like me you know you just keep lo- losing so yeah just believe in yourself and um, wait for market to stabilize understand market sentiments and it will be good that's it that's well, that's what I, that's why I, I love and appreciate about what you do is cuz you're given all this education and stuff for free and even i i mean the the cloud stuff all that stuff is just so the moving averages it, it makes it easy for for someone to learn how to technically trade and it's like you don't need to pay a thousand dollars for this yeah, course yeah. or that course or, or whatever so um we appreciate system, it right so i found my system right and um and it's not about me selling my system i just want to people tell people a system there is always a system that works that works for you it it might my system might not work for you but you can improvise so find a system so the reason i teach people like okay my ema clouds it's not that that i want to uh, you know have the best system in the world or i people tell me oh rip system is the best no who cares everybody is making money out there more money than me or anybody else but the point is there there is always a system you have to follow i have a system that i share you see system works you can follow that improvise on that but find your own as well so that's the key that's that's the that's the point of sharing knowledge you know and as i share with others i learn every day you know i i and more than that a lot of mistakes my followers make it reminds me of my mistakes that i still make to till this date right so this is it's part part of a journey you know we are all all in it together but everybody has to help each other so keep moving forward of course i saw, i see someone in the comments was asking where we can where they can read your story Um, so we we got to get a little article profile going on that. So yeah, I have my you can hear my podcast, my podcast uh, recording by PGIR. It's in my bio on Twitter. Okay, beautiful. I'll do that. Jason is quiet today, huh? Okay, yeah. Jason. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to help O's with the with the the draft the draft sorry. thing too. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, okay. But That's but fine. but I but I've been in, into it. I I I've been listening. And when you talk when you talk smarts. people listen you know and so i don't want to interrupt and you know and they're here to listen to you so don't no, think it's it. any slight that's the truth your earnings and i and i wasn't quiet in the beginning i was uh i was talking a lot no, no, so. i was just teasing. i was just teasing. all right don't do that to me yeah i felt bad yeah, no, i was okay. no, 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 no. i was right. right. <laughs> you right. usually not that quiet that's why right you i know i know my my wife and kids tell me all the time so mm. yeah you get it all right, well all thank right, you bro. man for coming on 
I know people want me. People want me to ask you about stocks and RKT and this and this and that. But we'll do that another time. Let's just have fun. When the time is right, I'll be here. I'll share the picks. Time is not right for picks. Thank you. I understand. I understand completely. Brother from another mother. Thank you, Repster. Appreciate it, man. All right. All right. So then, Rip, I'll get back with you for more times for in a couple weeks to get you back on. Yep. See ya. Yep. See ya. Yep. Bye bye. Email E Trade. Email E Trade and tell E Trade that. You want your Benzinga news? Send us an email at powerhour at benzinga.com and we'll, uh, we'll send you swag. You know, peace.